0: Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Tuesday, March 17th. S&P futures had been limited up earlier this morning. They are now up just about 20 points. That's about 1% and fading. Europe opened up a decent amount, but it has faded fast as well The European major indices... um, are flat to down, there's a lot of volatility as we speak, so by the time you listen to this, those prices could be off, but essentially, the morning theme so far in Europe and the u s has been um you know re- relatively solid gains earlier and then and then a fade, although not a collapse necessarily um, so not a ton of actual major news to really kind of go over this morning so yesterday, Monday morning, you know the narrative had been insufficient monetary and fiscal action led to a decline in stocks this morning. It's kind of the reverse. Um, and the wires are citing fiscal and monetary anticipation for the rebound. I think both um, headlines really kind of exaggerate what's really occurring behind the scenes, which is just these markets are in an enormous state of volatility and in-state of flux. There is very little information as far as um, attempting to kind of model out the next couple of quarters in terms of the peak to trough decline in GDP and earnings, um, just given all of the uncertainty around um, the travel and assembly restrictions, how long they'll be in place, how severe they'll be, when you'll start to see kind of, quote unquote, the curve flatten, and you'll see cases peak out in Europe and the US. All of those are are just are too uncertain, I think, at the moment for investors to model. Um, and that's why you, know, you just have very little appetite to try to step into this tape. Um, and that's, I think, kind of the broader... The consensus at the moment, I would say, seems to be that most people assume this will end eventually, whether it's the end of Q2, the end of Q3, and you and you should see a relatively V-shaped rebound. The question is just how large is that crater that's going to be left in its wake, um, and I, and I think until you have more clarity around that, um, you know, like I said, there's just not much appetite to step in on the long side. Um, you know, just circling back to some of the headlines, you know, I think that. You know, there are there are going to be more actions you're going to see from central banks, including the Fed. Um, You will see more fiscal action. So the U.S. has passed one fiscal stimulus bill related to coronavirus. It was relatively small. Um, They should pass a second one as soon as today. So the House had to make some revisions to its original bill. This is this phase two stimulus. They passed it last night. The Senate is going to take that up today. It could pass as soon as today or tomorrow. And then they're already working on this kind of phase three. And you saw a lot of numbers floating around yesterday about the ultimate size of it. Cudlow um, threw out a number as big as eight hundred billion. Senator Schumer is going to propose a separate stimulus bill worth about seven hundred and fifty billion. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like there is really a lot of appetite at the moment to get a piece of legislation that large through, especially since if you look at the details on both sides of the aisle, there's still a lot of disagreement. So this payroll tax cut, which the White House is pushing very hard, that's worth about four or five hundred billion dollars of stimulus, though. But there's very little appetite, even among Republicans in Congress, to push that through. Um, and I would also note, too that some of the numbers are not necessarily true fiscal stimulus. Some of it is more lending, liquidity support. Um, it's not just outright deficit-funded stimulus into the market. Um, you know, included in a lot of these um, broader, you know, the phase three of, of the aid packages being considered in the U.S. will be assistance for the airline industry. And again, the numbers there um, vary a little bit, although they seem to be around $50 to $60 billion. And then some reports suggest even Boeing could be included under that envelope of airline assistance. So it would be the airline industry, airports, Boeing, that entire um, you know aerospace infrastructure in the U.S. But again, it's unclear kind of what form that will take exactly, whether it's um, it sounds like a lot of it will just be lending liquidity, not necessarily kind of outright stimulus. As far as the Fed is concerned, um, you know they they took very meaningful action uh, you know Sunday evening. You could definitely um and and I'll take issue with some of their messaging um, as far as the fact that they had to accelerate it three days and they couldn't just wait till Wednesday. They had to do, rush it out Sunday night. Um I think I think Powell made an error on the press conference Sunday evening when he made a comment about how you know, the Fed thinks its existing toolkit is sufficient. It's not going to seek any type of um, increased authorization or powers, although he did qual- he qualified that a little bit by talking about how, you know, he could work with the Treasury um, because there is this provision in the in the Fed act um, whereby, um, with Treasury, which w- with authorization from the Treasury Secretary, the Fed does kind of have more powers um, beyond its traditional toolkit. And that has received a lot of attention in the last couple of days. So Kevin Warsh had an op-ed Sunday night, essentially saying how the Fed and the Treasury should be working together to explore some more non-standard options. The Journal had another editorial out last night, essentially saying the same thing, that this um, Section 13.3 of the Fed Act Gives it wide latitude and authority in conjunction with the Treasury Secretary to start to take more dramatic action. So investors assume that you should see more of these kind of financial crisis era lending facilities, as well as specifically action taken to support commercial paper markets. That was one that was one area that the Fed did not address directly Sunday night. That some people were disappointed with, um, and most assume that you'll you'll see some type of an action taken over the next couple of days. So I don't I don't think central banks are finished. Um, You should see more from them, Um, and just circling back quickly to the ECB again, they took dramatic action on Thursday as well, but I think they undercut themselves somewhat um, with the messaging mistake, specifically that comment from Lagarde on during the press conference about how it's not the ECB's job to close spreads, which um, you know it's it that's kind of the opposite of the message that Draghi had been sending all throughout the European financial crisis several years ago when. He essentially said it is the ecB ecB's job to to close spread. So the ECB has backtracked on that aggressively over the last few days. Um, Lagarde even you know later on Thursday came out and on CNBC and clarified what she meant. and then several other ECB officials have come out and reversed that sentiment. Um, but many think the ECB will have to kind of make a more dramatic action, whether it's um, with much stronger rhetoric or or some type of dramatic market intervention whether whereby they just you know again, they increased their asset purchase author- authorization by 120 billion euros on Thursday, but there's not a set timeline, so they essentially could exhaust that in the next couple of weeks. Um, so if they were to intervene dramatically and and really start to um, you know narrow the Bund-BTB spread, I think markets obviously would pay attention to that. So you know I I, I don't think central ban- central banks have acted in a material fashion. I think they have done a lot, and they're going to do more. Um, I do think though that you know it's undercut somewhat. By um, messaging errors, so there's a lot of kind of themes and talking points. I lay everything out in the vital dawn today. It's more so it's more kind of summarizing a lot of themes and trends of the last several days versus identifying you know discrete headlines that were out um, overnight, of which there really are not ton. So you know we talked about the Fed Treasury partnership, uh, talked about fiscal stimulus and they're more um, you know the, the U.S. is working on additional options, but like I said, it doesn't seem that the political will is there for a package worth um, you know, well into the hundreds of billions of dollars. Europe also, um, the Eurogroup, which is the, the group of European finance ministers, held a meeting yesterday. They put out a statement late in the US session yesterday. Um, you know, I think it too kind of falls a little bit short of what investors were hoping. You're definitely seeing all the finance ministers talking as far as the need for fiscal stimulus and each country has acted in its own way, but the numbers are not enormous. Um, they're not kind of the shock and awe, quote unquote, figures that um, investors may be hoping for. Um, so that's really, you know, in terms of major new news, I would say that's it. Um, you still have this kind of separate parallel oil crisis that is compounding the coronavirus crisis, whereby um, the Saudi-Russia market and price, market share and price war are, are obviously creating enormous pressures. Um, Uh, compounding, you know, what we're already seeing in the market, especially in credit markets where energy is such a major player. You had a group of Republican senators send a letter to Saudi Arabia overnight to saying, imploring the government to, um, you know, reverse on some of its market share actions over the last several days um, and, and take action to help stabilize crude markets, although neither country seems to really be backing down at the moment. Exxon came out last night and and announced that they were essentially going to start going to take dramatic actions to cut spending, capex, and output. So, again, you're seeing you're seeing U.S. uh, producers across the board. You've had you know at least 20 of them over the last couple of days come out and dramatically reduce capex and output, but it's not necessarily moving the needle as far as offsetting what Saudi Arabia and uh, Russia are doing with supply. I would say, actually, the single most important article. Um, that I think is worth reading today it was out on the Wall Street Journal last night, um, titled "Why Markets Are So Volatile." It's not just coronavirus. And again, I don't I don't think it's anything shocking. I think most people suspected a lot of the um, points that the article makes. But just pointing out the all the non fundamental reasons why stocks are as volatile as they are, including algorithmic trading, and how you know on any given day you really don't have necessarily. Um, you know, your discretionary fundamental investor acting as a major player in the market. Um, So I think that's kind of that puts into perspective why markets are swinging as wildly as they are. Um, A lot of micro news. So, you know, beyond Exxon, there was a lot of various different headlines out about companies shutting stores, issuing earnings warnings, talking about the impact of fallout of coronavirus. Um, I have everything chronicled in the Vital Dawn. So, you know, just go in there and take a look at it. On the calendar, um, you know, again, as far as scheduled news is concerned, you don't really have a ton. It's more, I think, um, you know, waiting for some of these more non-scheduled events on, on the policy stimulus front. you will be a lot of headlines out of Washington, um, again, as, as they begin negotiations and discussions around this kind of phase three stimulus. Um, so that is essentially it for today. Um, like I said, there's a lot more in the vital dawn. So, uh, definitely, um, take a look at it and thank you everyone for listening.